Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Phil's Recap and Review. Game of Thrones, Season 7, Episode 4. Ah, oh, the spoils of war. What a fucking episode. And we're here today to take your feedback. If anyone hasn't joined us on one of these feedback shows, what this is, we do have the live... The live motherfucking chat, and we will take your questions in the live chat. We also have a phone call-in line that you can talk to us live at 657-383-0370 and a voicemail text line at 781-990-8509. But today is really about the people that sent me messages ahead of time, sent texts, sent letters, sent rocks that they threw me that bounced off the back of my head while I was trying to walk down the street that said, Talk about this on Game of Thrones, asshole! Whatever it is. I have your messages, I have your texts, I have all your stuff, and we're gonna go through that stuff first, and then at the end we'll go to some of the some of the uh, more the calls and the stuff we get in real time, and go to the live motherfucking chat. But I'm not alone today. I have with me another awesome guest, another Game of Thrones YouTube person, someone who's doing daily content, a lot of fun stuff, really good person that invited all of his friends in to join us in the live motherfucking chat tonight. So big welcome to all of them. So any of the FOPers in the chat, welcome all the new friends, and let's give a great welcome. Welcome to Kyle Azora Hype, or Kyle's Fucking Chickens, as you knew him before. So, Kyle, welcome to the show, buddy. What's going on, man? We, we've chatted about this for, for a long time now. We both host our own shows, so it's kind of fun to have two hosts on one show. And, man, this episode was absolute, what I like to say, wildfire. So, really excited to chat the episode. I was thinking about this earlier, Kyle, that we have never podcasted together. You called in the show a couple of times, and we've talked here and there, but... Ultimately, you and I have never actually podcasted before, but if we go by the sexually transmitted disease situation, we have, we, like, you fucked the walking David and Johnny, and I fucked the walking David and Johnny. So actually, we have, we have done something together as my overlay got fucked up, so you guys can look at my lap. Hi, guys. This is my lap. Look at that. That's what you're missing in the audio cast. There's something wrong with the overlays, but let's forget that for now. We also have the magic wheel tonight, so if anyone wants to help out in some super chat, we will spin the wheel. We won't get Kyle drunk, because that's not fair, but I will drink double for Kyle. And <laughs> savage. I am a horrible. We got in the live motherfucking chat the walking David. Kyle, what's up, dude? Lady, you're on Grey I've been waiting for this all week. Uh, L, nice to see you again. Timo, the most beautiful smile on the internet. Is Timo in there? That is, oh, Timo is in the live chat right now, too. Hey, Timo. We got uh, some feedback from Timo. It's really good to talk to Kyle. Like I said, he's friends with a lot of friends, and we've sort of been talking about doing this one way or another for a while. So I always knew I wanted to get Kyle on one of these feedback shows. I said that before the show. So it just happened to be that this was the episode. I, I remember you sent me something like, like a couple weeks ago that episode four is looking awesome, and I had already kind of put you in that spot, and it was it just ended up working out that you're here to talk about probably one of the best episodes of the season, one of the most fun episodes of the entire series. Man, really, honestly, I, I can't – I mean, I heard people on Twitter bashing the episode because of its length. And I actually, I actually thought it was appropriate because I think that we're going to get some really long episodes coming up. I mean, the next one is an hour, and then after that is 71 minutes and 82 minutes. So, I mean, this was the, – the pacing of the episode has kind of been off all season. This one felt right to me. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I was I – was, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Hard Home is number one for me, Battle of the Bastards, and then Spoils of War is kind of just right there below that. Yeah, it's it's tough to doubt the fun factor of this episode from beginning to end. You can pick apart anything if you want to pick it apart too much. The, the runtime, mm, it doesn't bother me essentially because the episode felt right. It's when something feels wanting. If we, if anything, I thought there were, and I, this is my m minor nitpicks, 
there was a couple scenes that maybe didn't even like I didn't think it needed to be shorter, but the like the Masande and Daenerys talking about uh, talking about Grey Worm's lack of uh, or we did many things, and then the cross that with the which I kind of like this one, the Davos being like I'm no big city lawyer, but you're kind of looking at Daenerys's boobies scene. I mean those scenes were a little could have been shaved around the edges, and I think it still would have been an, an excellent top echelon episode. It's it, so I don't think length had anything to do with it. It's about the motion. It's not about the length necessarily. Agreed, agreed. And I mean, uh, you know, we have, we've had these stark reunions so far this year. And, you know, I think we all can kind of associate ourselves with House Stark in some way. We've all went through some sort of tragedy in our lives or, or something like that, you know, something that's affected us in a certain way. But we haven't seen these people together since basically episode two or three of the season, since season one. So... Speak for like yourself. 60, yeah, oh, 60 episodes later, people. This is crazy, okay? <laughs> We're really getting towards the end game here. We have ten less than 10 episodes left. Now, so speak, for, speak for yourself, Kyle. I'm like a Lannister. I'm the one that knocks. I'm like Walter White. I, I'm, I'm, no, but I, I agree with you. Everyone has faced those kind of fears. And I think that's the great thing about Game of Thrones and all the houses about how you can associate that with so many different elements of, of like the human condition, so to speak. And you can say like even different parts of a fucking person's personality and such. Holy shit, we got our first Super Chat donation tonight. GY Sergeant 213 donates $20 for Super Chat. You get a spin of the wheel. Let's hope it doesn't land on drink. Let me spin that wheel. Thank you so much. Oh, I forgot the music, I'm spinning the wheel. It landed on bite of a sandwich. I don't know what that means, you hippie bastard. You want me to take a bite of a sandwich in the How I Met Your Mother sense? I'll do that. Give me a second, and I'll shut off this camera, and you'll come and they'll come back in a cloud of fucking smoke. But I, but I agree with this episode. It was just we're getting towards the towards the end of the series when people say, "Oh, this was done for fan service, fan service." They, Whatever, everyone has to come together. This needs to close somehow. I'm just hoping for a fun ride. A fun ride down a, down a water slide that is these last two seasons when it really comes down to it. And I want it to feel fun and feel good. Season five, the stuff in Dorne didn't feel fun and good. I could pick that apart and be like, oh, I'm not really feeling this crap. This show, this season so far to me is a good progression, entertaining, and yeah, you can pick it apart. I could pick apart fucking Citizen Kane if I wanted to. Rosebud's stupid. Fuck Rosebud. It's a fucking sled. Eat my dick. That's a stupid giveaway from a whole buildup, and people think that's the greatest movie. I can pick apart The Godfather. It's dark and long and fucking boring, and I don't understand what's going on here. It's too procedural and not good enough, and Godfather's my favorite movie. I can pick apart Led Zeppelin. Listen to Robert Plant sing, baby, 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 push my ball. You know, whatever. You can pick apart anything you want to pick apart. It's not hard. So uh, you, know, you know, you know, you know what's crazy too, man, is there were so many callbacks to this episode to previous conversations over like the previous seasons, like Chaos is a ladder, Davos saying fewer. What else was there? Oh my god. Uh Robert uh, Baratheon's speech above the armies, five or one, yep. which is the biggest member. Like you talked about how everything's coming together. It really is. It's crazy. Now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, this episode kind of highlighted so many moments over the past seasons, not just Daenerys burning shit with her dragons. You could also add two more that I that, that just popped into my mind. Arya showing up at the gate of Winterfell, which was a parallel to season one with her showing up at King's Landing. And also, I got a kind of 
feel like when Barristan, Robert, and Jamie were having to talk about their first murder and how it smells, I got, it wasn't a one for one, but I got some sort of a similar feeling when the uh, the, the hero of all heroes, the, sorry, as I struggle for it to go over here, this guy right here uh, was talking about his first death. Dickon, Dickon, Dickon. <laughs> Was that that was this was a this was uh, this is the first thing I want to get to today because uh, during our recap show the other night uh, it was late in the evening uh, drinks were drunk fun was having being being having fun and we were checking the last voicemails of the evening and we were like okay let's go to this one from an unknown number and it ends up being this. And uh, we, we got a lot of, we got a cards and letters, rocks off the head, wondering who that was, people that want to download that for a ringtone or whatever. So I got a message from one, the one Pete's Live Music. And some people might remember Pete's Live Music from last season. He's the one who created, uh, where, where's, where was one of them? Here's the Bastard Bowl one. So let's play a game. Which body part? All those sort of weird mixes that he did uh, to, to, for one of my band songs last year. Uh, he's the one who recorded that. And we have a fun fact. Fun fact about the Dick On song. I actually called that in from my car. I stopped on the way home after watching the episode. I was streaming your podcast while driving. I was inspired and I pulled over and sang. So that is the Dick On song. And, and, and I'm, I made a little addition, addition to the Dick On song. So let's listen to this. It's it's just it's just to inspire Pete to do it for real because he's a lot better at that stuff than me. So I, I hack hack and put it together. But Pete's live music, thank you so much for keeping people entertained. So if you guys want to send your uh, when he pops up in the live chat, you want to uh, thank Pete for uh, or put it in the comment section of this video for uh, for putting together the Dick on song that every everyone was loving. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our live. <laughs> Thank you, guys, the live chat. Uh, let's get right into some of our questions here. And let's start the night off right with one of our favorite callers and favorite friends of the show. And I think Kyle knows her as well. Everyone knows her. It is. It's Emo's Red So Timo is the, we're going to start out with Timo tonight. Now, thoughts for the feedback show. Number one, the <laughs> MV, M, MVFOP Timo. So let's go over there. Move the damn mouse, mouse guy. The mouse wasn't paying attention to me. The, okay, thoughts for the feedback show. Number one, the Golden Company got a name drop, meaning that they're going to show up next season. What if they come, uh, come Cersei lets them through the gates, and crazy-eyed banker guy turns on her, and they sack King's Landing a la Tywin 2.0. She says she will blow them up, Danny will be the queen of the ashes and bones, and that's when Jamie will kill her. So let's just take that point and go, Kyle, what do you think about what Timo said, and what do you think the Golden Company's role will be next season? Because I don't think they got mentioned for no reason. I agree with Timo on that. Yeah, me and you spoke before this. Oh, me and you spoke before. Oh, it was some feedback. Oh, sorry. Sorry. 
Uh, me and you spoke before the show, and, and we talked about this, and I talked about this in, in my episode breakdown on, on my channel. And the, we got to remember that the Golden Company was founded by Agor Rivers, which was a legitimized bastard of uh, Aegon the Fourth of his name. So, and basically, the, this sellsword company, if they are acquired by Cersei, I, I don't think that they're going to turn on Cersei because the Blackfires and the Targaryens were in constant. They were constantly fighting over this line of succession to the Iron Throne. So I think that it's interesting. There's a precedent for them to, to appear in the show because in the books, we have Aegon Targaryen, who is believed to be a Blackfire pretender, uh, Illyrio's son with Varys' sister, uh, Sarah. And that is believed to be, you know, uh, basically a coup. Uh, we, we hear uh, the Mummer's Dragon, uh, th that prophecy uh, happen so i don't necessarily think that that's going to happen with cersei we just saw her army get decimated uh in the field of fire 2.0 and we know that she has the Greyjoy forces so i'm thinking since euron went over to valyria and he traveled all over essos he may have had some links to these people already and, and i i do think for show purposes because the show and the books are kind of different entities at this point timo mm -hmm. that basically the golden company they're they're just highest bidder right and if the gold got back to king's landing uh, like Technonostor said, then I think that Cersei is going to need these specific people to uh, to fight back whoever's going to try to take her off the Iron Throne. Now, I I'm of the belief that there's going to be a, a war for Dawn, and there's still going to be shit in King's Landing. I think there's going to be a battle on two fronts, and eventually the White Walkers will make it far enough to King's Landing. But the Golden Company, they're going to be there because Theon is going to go try to rescue Yara. And there's going to be Ironborn versus Ironborn and all that sort of stuff going on. So while I love your idea, I'm going to have to disagree with that because I think that the Blackfires have jumped at the opportunity to take out Daenerys. <laughs> King McKay, who's going to be with us next week, says, all show watchers not getting the Golden Company name drop. King McKay, I look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, and I would agree with you. And I would also add that this is one of the things that surprised me in the episode that the gold made it back to King's Landing because I thought the name drop of the Golden Company was going to be that they may be an antagonistic force against Cersei, but I think if they were going to be an antagonistic force, the gold wouldn't have made it back. So I, I do think they're going to be her, her, they're going to more work with her rather than against her would be my, my thought as well. Number two about this, Timo's second point is, Tyrion has been wrong about his family all season thus far. He's been miscalculating the Casterly Rock plan, the High Garden attack, and he made a point about the unsullied uh, fighting for freedom versus Lannister army fighting for fear, so he says they will run. The Lannister army held the shield wall and tried to fight back knowing that there was no chance. They didn't run like little bitches. Tyrion doesn't know his family as well as he thinks. He needs to go back to drinking. That's more of a point than a question, and I would agree that Tyrion does need to go back to drinking. I, But does he not know his family, or is he subconsciously protecting his family? I don't usually say this, but maybe Daenerys is 100% right, and he doesn't want to hurt his family as much as he does. So he's fucking, he, some part of him is, is, is subconsciously creating things that will fuck up. Or maybe that's just not crediting Jamie enough for understanding his brother's emotional ties and what he might do. So it could be many things. Kyle, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Now we got to remember that Cersei was probably thinking, Hey, Tyrion has handed the queen for Daenerys. What kind of moves would Tyrion suggest Daenerys make when she gets to Westeros? Because we got to know that uh, what Robert Baratheon suggested 
and their original plan, like Tyrion said, he didn't want the Dothraki going to basically pillaging and, and raping and killing everyone in Westeros. That's kind of what the Ironborn were doing, right? So Cersei reached out to the Ironborn, which is kind of ironic because the Ironborn and the Dothraki have a similar type of masculine culture. Mm-hmm. But we got to think that Cersei was thinking like, okay, if Tyrion is advising Daenerys, what is he going to do? Oh, he's always wanted Casterly Rock. Okay, then we should think of this possible scenario if if if, if they're going to uh, uh, attack here or here, or are they going to fly all the way to King's Landing? No, Tyrion's not like that. He's more intelligent. So I think that actually we have to give Cersei some credit, funny enough. And I know people don't like to do that because she's ruled over by emotion and she is ignorant to a certain sense. We hear in the books, we hear Jamie talk about how Tywin was a glacier, like implacable like a glacier, and how Cersei was all wildfire. But she's really kind of She's learned a little bit from her mistakes, and we kind of have seen growth from all of our characters, Jon Snow, Daenerys, and even Cersei. So I think that we need to give Cersei a little credit here, man. Uh, unfortunately, she is the character I hate most, but <laughs> I think that we have to give Cersei credit. I agree that, and we talked about this on, I forget which show it was, but uh, I was talking about TV Cersei is so much more capable than book Cersei is. And I mean, I don't want to get way into it. It's not even close book Cersei is an idiot and and this is nothing against this is one of those examples of why I say they're two different universes I like one for one one for the other thing completely Lena Headley gives a unique performance for Cersei and she can never seem that out of control she just has this way of being calculating and she brings that into the performance and kind of meiosisly suck that off Tywin and whoa that's not a dirty but still but <laughs> with what she does with Jamie, it makes sense but still I it's it's, it makes a lot of sense in the, in the show that she's, she's capable and it, it works out. She's crazy. She has crazy like tendencies. She likes, she's, she's violent. She'll go to any, any length, but. It's this fight. It's, it's this uh, f- fight or flight type thing. You know, we see, um, you know, all these people trying to survive in this incredibly violent uh, land called <laughs> Westeros. Esos is, is violent as well, but, but you got to think it's like Cersei will literally do anything to survive. That's the thing. She even made these decisions that ended up affecting her children and Tommen committed suicide. You got to think that Cersei could have done things differently. He, she knew how much Tommen loved Marjorie, right? So all these decisions that she made, we got to think that she's incredibly calculated. And the thing is, though, the difference with Cersei is she doesn't feel remorse the same way that someone else does like a Daenerys. Yeah, Daenerys and Cersei are similar in some ways, but Cersei just, she's at this point now where she, she's not, uh, Tycho keeps on mentioning Tywin, but she's more like Mad King Aerith Targaryen, really, than anyone in the story. She's really becoming this self-involved mad queen. I, I definitely, oh, I'm sorry, mute. I, de- I, uh, I definitely agree. Sorry, I was mute there. And the last part of Timo's question, I still say Jamie is the MVP. Damn it, he tried to kill this crazy pyro Targaryen and was willing to die for it to save the realm from burning yet again. That's how, that's how legends are made. Great recap. You guys are definitely killing the season, except Joe and his irrational Jamie hate. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to stick that in there. Great call from great points by Timo. I, for me, obviously, because of my irrational, look who's, oh, my, my thing's not on the screen. But I have, I also have, I also Timo, like you, it's irrational. I have a very rational love for Jamie Lannister. I think, so I enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed him being, quote unquote, a fucking idiot. He was a fucking idiot because he didn't throw it when he when he was in range. He probably should have tried to go for an aerial shot. I mean, either way, Drogon would have blocked it. 
Would I have gone for that? No, not necessarily, but I'm a pussy. He, in that moment, he sort of had a flashback to the, in my, my estimation, had a flashback to the Mad King, to seeing burning people, all that sort of stuff. At core, he doesn't want to see people die, except for little boys that watch him have sex and are pervs that need to be pushed out windows. But that's it. That's you it. You know what, going, going, actually, <laughs> okay. going on that point, we see Bran fall out the window, and eventually he has his transformation out of, after he comes out of his coma. I think that, you know, obviously him, him in the water, him floating down, mirrors that shot very much i think that when he comes out of the water he he's he's gonna have an epiphany this was the absolutely transformative moment that jamie lannister needed to go forward and i think that going forward i think this is going to be the beginning of the end for cersei and, i hope and so kyle there's nothing i hope you're more right about i because I, I feel the same way i feel like this is the season i feel like they're building it up so much i think there was regression in season five and six uh, that they were stalling for not sure what to do with Jamie. But I think now we've, s I really start to see the wheels turning for him to abandon her and maybe hopefully kill her. That, I mean, I think, that's what I I'm think hoping. the reason that they've done that, Phil, is I think in the books, the Valonqar prophecy, wh whoever you think, whoever you think it is, I, I think it's Jamie. Me too. Me too. Well, I, I, I think they've done this on purpose in the show. And I know people will smash the indeed to bits for Jamie's storyline, and that's completely fine. But I actually think there's a method to the madness here. And I actually think that they are doing, they are trying to not set up the Valonqar prophecy as much as possible. So when it does happen, when Jamie kills Cersei, it's going to feel that much more I, powerful. I agree with you 100%. I've actually said that a couple of times before too. And I so agree with that. I think the show left that out because in television, if you said that, it would be too obvious. And in TV, you just have, you some things are better left as surprises and you feel more for Jamie watching him go down that fucking hole and watching him climb the hell out of there. It, you need to see that and see the transformation on screen, not have someone tell you it. Whereas in the books, you read it, it's a bit, it's a longer part. It's, it could all just be in her head. Like who knows, but on the show, it would just be too obvious. In the books, we got literary devices like red herrings where uh, George can, can uh, basically write things a certain way and give you three paths and then, but but obviously, you know, you know, there's only one right answer, but he gives you the options. Now, in the show, if they were to do that, it would be like it's like you got to hit someone over the head, and then it becomes obvious if you try to frame something in a certain way. Uh, or like, okay, well, obviously, this candidate is the more more likely person to achieve the, this thing in this event. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, I, I completely agree, and and I know you're more of an expert on television than I am, uh, but. And the way they have to execute things, foreshadowing and, and how the way they shoot scenes, they have to be very careful to not give things away because we do know that there's big payoffs in, in Game of Thrones. A hundred percent. Go in the live chat just to get you some love. Angie V says Zora hype is on point. I love this guy, Kyle. Uh, we got uh, Drogon versus Dickon. Oh, that would be an amazing fight. Uh, that would be an amazing fight. You mean the song, though, don't you, Figgins? Uh, fr Friggins, analysis of Thrones, great point. Kyle and Phil. Timo says, and Jamie doesn't need any more redemption he paid the price he lost a body body part get over it bran is a dick now so who cares about it anyways love timo ab says except uh wasting an arrow on a dothraki but hey it's what he had to do to stop him although it was instigated by a woman brian you're not wrong timo his path is on his own so let's go to our next caller or next point next uh texter here this is karen from pennsylvania Trust me, Phil, I would much rather be in Boston than Pennsylvania, still rep, uh, repping the Pats and Celts, though. I still can't get over the fact that Daenerys said she needed food to feed her army. The North is struggling, and she burned the damn food. And if one more person says that Jon should bend the knee to Danny or that dragon is going to warm up to jo 
uh, or that dragon is going to warm up to John because of his Targaryen uh, heritage. I'm going to cut a bitch. And this continuing, I feel it's Karen again. People have been talking about Danny throwing John's line to Mance back at him, and there is a good reason for him to bend the knee. This is how I look at it. The Mance situation doesn't compare to John. Mance had just lost or surrendered to another army. He was defeated by Stannis, the menace or Manus. I don't know if you meant to say which one, but I'll say both. <laughs> John on the other, because both could be appropriate. John on the other hand came asking for help, not just for himself, but for all living people. If Danny doesn't help him, his men die and the White Walkers get further south. Danny asking him to bend the knee is shrewd business move, but it comes off as the guy from the movies that tries to ruin people's dignity before he leave, uh, lends them money. So, Kyle, what do you think about Karen from Pennsylvania's thoughts? So there, there's definitely two points on this one. One, um, obviously, uh, da Daenerys, yeah, she did say the man's thing, right? And and John is very different. We know that John is probably the most special character in the story at this point. I mean, if anyone is destined to pull things off, it's probably John. I mean, look back to the past couple of conversations that we've had. Dad was calling John, oh, he's king of the north. Like he's just like, you know, one title. We hear Daenerys name all of these things off. But obviously they've had, I mean, they're they they both kind of grown up in exile, so to speak, kind of like a King Arthur type of scenario. Mm -hmm. But they, they both have very different paths to where they've gone. Daenerys can feel a little bit more entitled than John because she knew she was of royal blood, and John knew he was a bastard. So I mean, uh, well, Ned obviously knew that. So I mean, here's the thing: did she burn? Did she burn all that stuff though? I don't did think she. she I, mean, I don't think she burned it all. I don't think she burnt it all. Uh, I, I went back and looked at look at this specifically a couple of times. I don't think she burnt it all. She definitely burnt some to send a message, obviously. Um, and we we do we do know that that area now is now hers, basically. So if they if they do want to grow more food, it's going to be more difficult. Um, but yeah, absolutely, that's a huge thing, right? I mean, uh, for for any food to be gone, we uh, in, in the books, Littlefinger has kind of done this himself. He's kind of taken hold of the areas so he can kind of manipulate where where everything is going he's kind of setting himself up to kind of control all of that the grain and all that sort of stuff but in the show like i mean we are, we haven't had too much mention of that other than with marjorie right? i like that um, they're actually doing it though it's one of those things that could they easily could have just ignored the food situation and it would have been a big glaring hole of like what, what are they gonna do about the food i remember in the first couple of episodes that was something that i was just talking about we have all these dothrakis who 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 are feeding them how are they getting food how are they getting all this stuff and i'm glad that the show actually took the time to address that and make the food a thing but i don't think all the food was burned in that situation one more quick point to finish this old nan remember when she told the story uh, uh of the night king and all that and brand men freeze in their castles we know that winter is here now uh we know that harvest is completely different in the winter season so i don't know exactly how westeros works i'm not i'm not a farmer <laughs> but i i, I, I I'm, I'm guessing that at some point there's going to be snow falling in king's landing this season i mean we, we got what how many nine more episodes left but um, yeah, so I mean, old old man saying that uh, everything she said pretty much in her little speech to Bran is coming true or is gonna come true at some point, I believe. Um, I hope we see the spiders, except not one day we'll oh. see the spiders. And it, the other half of the qu point was the question whether Danny is asking him to bend the knee is more of a person to ruin his dignity before he lends him money. Is she? 
and I'm hard on Daenerys and I think she has like the crazy thing, but I'm gonna defend her in this situation. If the very first person that comes over there to show her fealty or whatever like that in that kind of situation doesn't bend the knee and she goes and does that, what's that say about her too? I think she does have crazy like tendencies, but, and I think she's being a little hardcore to that, but at some point it's just like, ultimately she can't just give it up to everybody right there she needs to kind of hold pat a little bit in that situation and be like no you gotta maybe not bend the knee but just swear fealty to me something you know give me a sign too if i'm gonna risk my life to defend a cause i don't necessarily even believe in because i haven't fucking seen it yet so so i mean i tend to be unsupportive of john on this side but i can see and i'm not a daenerys fan when it really comes down to it but i'm kind of understanding of her her case in this situation it reminds me a lot of the Sansa situation when she was speaking against John in the first episode. I think what people didn't understand in that particular situation was that Littlefinger was watching her every word and move. And I think that what she wanted to do is, in, in this scenario, she knows that she has to survive. She's been in all the, the, these different scenarios where she's been compromised. I think I think it's Daenerys is kind of in that 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 mode now too. She just lost two battles, right? So for her for her to react this way shouldn't feel alien to us. Um, and, and we know that she's been trying to achieve this goal essentially since season one. So this is like, uh, so, like I mean, going to look at some cave paintings. I mean, there's been some memes on the internet that John drew them uh, so that he <laughs> can convince Daenerys. But yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not going to defend Daenerys because I think that she's still got to have her kill the boy, let the man be born moment. Yeah, she probably had that by now. Um, maybe maybe she needs one more kind of thing to happen, and it's going to be involved with John. Uh, maybe it's one of her dragons dying. That might be the thing that brings her down to earth. But yeah, I think that I'm, I'm in agreement with you. You know what I mean? She, I just, she definitely kind of right down the middle for it. She definitely needs a dose of humility. I'm not going to say that. And I'm more, if I had to make a decision, yeah, I'm more, I like put, you guys both need to give a little in the situation. Every deal, both sides feel like they got fucked somewhere. So, and, um, and then with the music that they're playing, it looks like someone's gonna get fucked. Speaking of, oh, we got Timo in the live motherfucking chat. $20 donation for Super Chat. Thank you so much, Timo. Demo says, shots. I will uh, I will take a giant sip of this high alcohol content beer and I will pour a shot, but I will also give you a spin of the wheel. Timo, you are the MB fucking FOP. Is that a, a Hefeweizen? The, uh, what I'm drinking right now, oh, I like the Hefeweizen. It's uh, actually a Tank 7 that I'm drinking right now. Ooh. I used, from, to, uh, from I used to work at a brewery uh, in, in the capital of Canada. It was awesome. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So uh, one of these uh, one of the one of these nights, uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to force you to take uh, like Pepsi shots or something like that, and get you on a sugar high or something like that. Well, fucking good good times. <laughs> for, uh, people, for people that don't know, I had a stomach issue, so I, I really don't drink, guys. So yeah, that's why I was yeah. saying that. But but yeah, no, but I but I actually have one thing on the wheel that's going to be like me eat a, a chocolate bar because you guys don't want to see me on fucking sugar. <laughs> that's even that's even fucking more ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so Timo, Timo let got some drum fun. So I, I'll play the drums for Timo, and I have, and I'll finish this beer. Mm. Or oh, almost finished the beer. Thank you, Timo. Next question. Hi Phil, Leanna Finn here. How did the Dothraki riders uh, ride through the dragon fire unscathed? And someone else asked, Are the Dothraki the best combat fighters in that situation? I would say horseback, horse drawn, like the uh, the way they were riding to, through, they were in the perfect situation for for the Dothraki, and they people weren't ready for them. Jamie had got people in line, but still, the on horseback, no one's better than the Dothraki. 
I will, I will say that. And how'd they go on? Well, the if we got the Knights of the Veil, they're no, armored. that's true. That is true. The Knights of the Veil, fully armored, they would be able to handle it. So, I mean, if they, if and you, archers, and archers, they have arch, yeah. and if, and if the Dothraki like trying to march on a castle or something like that would just be ridiculous. It would be the stupidest move ever. So if they were just in the very perfect situation for their skill set. The only time the Dothraki was ever really, I mean, they were they were defeated a couple times in history, but the biggest time is if you guys go to the world of uh, the the world of ice, ice and, and fire, fire it was yep. called the Battle of Kohor, yep. where there was like uh, three thousand unsullied and a hundred thousand Dothraki blood riders, or I think it might have been five thousand unsullied. But back in the day, I mean, uh, they, they got hired and for by Kohor the unsullied, and they 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 ended up having like three hundred or four hundred unsullied left, but it was kind of like a Battle of Thermopylae moment where they kind of took out all the Dothraki with their phalanx. It's pretty crazy. And anyway, sorry. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. And on the, the great information. And on the other side of that, uh, the question, how did the Dothraki riders ride through the Dragonfire unscathed? They weren't unscathed. I, I'm, I'm bet, I bet at least, I'm not going to make up a percentage and pull it out of my ass here, but I, I bet a bunch of Dothrakis got burned by that fire. That she's, it's not a scalpel. It's not. It's not a. Fi it's not a fine tooth. It's a. It's a wide spray, and and she opened a hole in the defense for the Dothraki to ride through. And I'm sure a lot of them in that initial attack didn't burst through. But like once fire starts flowing and shit starts happening, uh, I'm sure a lot of Dothrakis did get burned. Oh, absolutely. Uh, casualties of war. I mean, um, I mean, uh, kind of. It, it kind of has to happen before things progress. Yeah, absolutely. No, and let's go to our next question. Thank you, Liana Flint. Leanna Finn. Our next question is from Leslie from Chicago. Leslie says, hi, Phil. This is Leslie from Chicago. Again, love your feedback shows. It's the best one on YouTube. Oh, thank you so much. That's exactly why I decided to read your question, because you said that. Now, fairies is supposed to be the spy master. Where are his little birds? What is his purpose to Danny if he can't get any valuable information to her? Danny needs armor for her dragons, especially now since Drogon was shot with an arrow, and Davos happened to know a, possibly know a good blacksmith, <laughs> Gendry. Maybe we might see him in the next couple of episodes. So let's let's handle this first part about it. Where about Varys and his little birds. Uh, does Varys still have a connection to his little birds and his net or his little birds officially Kyburns now? He definitely still has a connection to them, but as far as the, I mean, we're talking about the mole thing in Danny's camp right now. You think he, no, no, and yeah. we get to that a little bit later and we can, mm. we can answer that now and just say, oh, we already addressed this, but uh, I'll just read the person's question later, but you can get into that now if you want. Well, it's interesting because we we do know that I mean uh, Euron Greyjoy obviously showed up and his first battle he started cutting people's tongues out and whatnot. Um, how he got that information we got to remember that Kyburn is the master whispers right. So Kyburn is obviously very informed and and we know that Cersei's informed. She's the queen of Westeros. So her gathering information uh, through Kyburn I, I think that that's something that we can't underestimate. We can't just be like hey it was Missande hey it was Varys. We got to think that obviously that the queen and or Hand of the King, Masters of Whispers, Kyburn might be able to acquire this kind of information. And Kyburn is just as shady as Varys. We, we don't, we actually, we probably know less about Kyburn than we know, know about Varys. So who's to say that Kyburn might actually not be more accomplished in this area by getting information or acquiring information like Varys and, does. So. And even more so because Varys always, always had another agenda other than being the master of spies. His agenda was the Targaryen restoration shit. So 
Kyburn's sole purpose right now is to serve Cersei and serve her best needs. So he's full game into that. There's no other agenda other than his his little hobby shop. And she's indulging him in that and letting him play with uh, Sept whatever's left of the Septa probably and bad pussy's body or whatever. Whatever he wants to do, he has full access to the King's Landing facilities to do anything. So he is so Team Cersei. He's drinking the Kool-Aid fully and he's fully invested in that purpose where Varys was never invested to the kings he was serving. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, there, there could be like uh, other small scenarios like the Ironborn captain that's with Theon. Maybe he could be he could be the Moan where he's like informing Euron and Euron is informing Cersei. It could be something that we, we don't expect and often times in a Game of Thrones is some, like we, we expect something to happen kind of the opposite. Ice and fire, it is the song of ice and fire. There's some sort of balance, yep. balancing factor. Uh, so I, I I don't know, but and and yeah. I do want to voice out also a couple people in the live chat. Uh, Made in the darkness. I don't think there's a mole. There's a lot of time left. Something like that. Trying to wrap up these type of storylines, but I could be wrong. Obviously, and Marco says no mole. Tyrion's just too obvious. So I mean, so there is that could possibly be it too. And that's and like Kyle was just saying, that's one of the good things about Game of Thrones. Similar to a tele, another television show like Breaking Bad or something like that. It's usually you can anticipate what you're going to see, and then it's nothing like you ever expected. And it's something completely different because that's why they ha that's why those TV guys make the big bucks because they're coming up with things that they're anticipating what people are gonna think. Go, oh no, let's go, let's go to something else. So, in the next part of Leslie's uh, email was, I need Bran in a Podrick meeting. We all know that what he did to those women at that whorehouse. Why is Tyrion upset when he watches all those? Okay, that's one point. Why is Tyrion so upset when he watches all those Lannister men get slaughtered? If Cersei had three dragons, she would have done a lot worse than Danny. It's war. That's the price you have to pay. For fuck's sake, he used wildfire. What is Tyrion's problem? Does he need a drink, Kyle? And why? And wait. And I want to add one extra question to that. Why was Tyrion at the battle? Uh, I mean, he had to be there. I mean, he's the hand of the king, Fair. the hand of the queen. He ha he has to be there. If something happens to Daenerys, he has to know how to advise the army appropriately, even though he's not the battle. Oh, that, that's an that's an excellent point. That he is. If anything happens to her, he needs to take take over because he's the next he's the next in line in charge of those forces. That that's that's, why, that's, that's the most rational reason. A Dothraki force with Tyrion, just in case Daenerys did fall off her dragon or something, send them right in. Dude, Go that's that's honestly the most rational reason I've heard for Tyrion to be there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know I, that's that's pretty much what I can think of, uh, other than other than um, and and you know. It is a plot device J J for Jamie and Tyrion to yep. have a conversation again. That exact. That's what. I, that's. I think he was there, just like jokingly, for the television standpoint. I think he was there, and what I said was he was there to say that line. Jamie's a fucking idiot because we needed him there. But I agree with you that. And also, if Danny wins the war and anything happens with those Lannister forces, G Tyrion's there to maybe talk to Jaime or talk to something. So he's actually on the scene to talk to Jaime or Braun or whatever, whoever's in charge of the Lannister forces in that situation. So it, it does make a lot of sense in a lot of levels why Tyrion might be there. I just think it was a little, uh, I think it's just, oh, he's just, he's there. I wanted to, and uh, just uh, interesting that they cut over to him. He was great in it. I like the line delivery of him. He's a fucking idiot and everything like that. It's one of those moments that I could pick apart if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. They've really been setting up this this storyline in the background. They've mentioned Aerys Targaryen a bunch of times. They're trying. They're trying to set up Varys convincing Tyrion that Danny is mad queenie. Yep. You know what I mean. And they're also setting up Tyrion and Jaime reconnecting. 
obviously through through the, the shared emotion of seeing what happens in war, the 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 PTSD from people being burned by dragon fire. This is all. I mean, Jamie also just found out that Tyrion didn't murder Joffrey, so that's uh, this. All these things are kind of coming together to. Uh, I mean, I think at some point Tyrion's going to meet with Jamie this season to convince, like, hey, you can't, I mean, event, like, Cersei, like, she's pretty screwed now, I think. Yeah. Despite winning those two battles, she, she's in a really bad position. I agree. There, There's, it's not going to go well for her in, in the long run of this situation. So, let's go to Kay Williams. Oh, my God, everyone with Bend the Knee, I'm sick of all of them. How do you ask someone to do something you wouldn't do yourself, Sai? Why did Danny? Why didn't Danny bring all three dragons, just wipe out the Lannister army and be done with it? I don't get why Tyrion is having so much sympathy for the Lannister army. Where was his bleeding heart when Jaime's army decimated House Tyrell? Uh, she showed mercy by not burning all of them. I guess his feelings are going to be hurt when Cersei lets loose on King's Landing again. Again, more more of uh, similar to what we were just talking about. And ultimately, why didn't she bring three dragons? I get like, the logical sense from what I thought is she needs to leave something at Dragonstone to defend in case Euron decides to come there. So the dragons are hanging out there to burn all the ships that uh, dare approach Dragonstone. So I think from a, from a we don't need all three dragons in this situation, uh, so why don't we keep two for defense purposes at Dragonstone to protect uh, Masande, Jon Snow, all those guys to hang out there. So I think that was why she didn't bring all three dragons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I mean she, she stated... We've lost the Ironborn, or we've lost the Iron Islands. We've lost Dorne. We've lost the Reach. So I think that uh, you're spot on right there. I don't have too much more to add other than Daenerys. Uh, Dragonstone is is very, very close to King's Landing. And if they want to do like a Battle of Blackwater 2.0, Daenerys, Daenerys specifically didn't go straight to King's Landing because of Tyrion's advice. So um, we obviously see that things went <laughs> differently. Like we stated, you know, things will always happen the way we think they're going to happen. But I think that there's spot on there. Yeah, the only thing the only thing I have to add to that is Dickon, Dickon, Dickon. That's it. Okay, so let's take our first voicemail. And this is a voicemail from uh, I think their name is Johnny. So let's listen to uh, Johnny's message. Hey Phil, this is Johnny. I just wanted to call again up. What the hell uh Brandon told me you were like to bring his father or to or to tell his uh, the father to send him a raven because he I think he needs him in order to prove to John that he really is a Targaryen. So what's the deal with that? Kyle, what do you think Mira, about that? Mira and Howland Reed? Is sorry, can can you The question the question was why didn't Bran tell Mira to have her father send a raven to help prove Jon Snow's parentage? Good question, right? I mean, I think that brands. I mean, uh, uh, the thing is, is we know Cersei obviously tore paper in front of someone. We, we know that Ned Stark, he, he was going to have this these uh, when he was going through the book, the blonde of hair, the black of hair, trying to prove that. Jo I mean, he was going to prove that Joffrey was in a ba uh, bastard incest. I think that the thing is, is that even though if Bran does that, what does it accomplish at that specific time? John is with Danny, so it's like, okay, wouldn't you rather want to tell that person in in person to let them feel and really let them know exactly what you're instead of some small scroll? Hey, John, you're a Targaryen. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'd be like, hey, Phil, like, you know what I mean? 
uh, a th- a 2,000 miles from here. A comet's going to hit us today. I-, I-, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I'd rather call you on the phone and be like, hey, man, this is your last day on Earth, my dude. I will, uh, I'll, I'll say to the caller what I want, like this. I want to see Holland Reed too. I do. We all we all would love to see him and say Grey Water Watch. We'd love to see it. We would. It would be awesome. It'd be cool. But I don't think that's necessarily the way. Maybe when I think it again to go further in the show when Bran finally gets a chance to talk to John and do the little Vulcan mind meld with him and show him what he needs to show him or something. After that point, if the Reeds show up somewhere in the fight against the White Walkers, then Holland can show up and John can be dealing with his shit and Holland goes, yes, that's true, and can verify it in that situation more naturally in a moment. I don't think Bran telling him, I think Bran needs to have a connection to, to John first and kind of set connect with him first and show him something before that's going to even matter. Think of how the story is structured. Beginning, middle, and end, right? And then we got the past, present, and future. So if we think about it, Bran went to the past. He went and saw that Ned Stark went to the Tower of Joy, and he saw that Howland Reed killed Arthur Dane, the story that he, uh, his father told him was untrue. He went to the past and found out that John threw Howland Reed, okay? Then we have the present. Uh, uh, Samuel Tarley is at, at the Citadel, and I believe Archmaester Ebrus, hey, you got all these scrolls to look through. That's indirectly him helping him, being like, hey, this is your shot, man. I'm not going to be able to directly give you the information. You're not a maester yet, but if you look through these scrolls, scrolls, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> you might be able to find you might the, the find some you're looking for in the White Walkers, but I think he's actually going to find some shit on John. And then, so, so if we think about it, beginning, middle, and end, and that's the way all the arcs work too, beginning, middle, and end. John was a bastard. Then he was a Lord Commander. Now he's King in the North. Think about it. Three things happen in threes in the show, beginning, middle, and end. Bran, Samuel, and Howland Reed. Bran and Samuel are going to get together. Bran saw it in a vision. Then we actually see Samuel confirm it with paper, and then Howland Reed was actually there. So I think that what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to seek out Howland Reed together. And that's just the way the story is structured and written. I think that that's, you know what I mean? I, I think that for story purposes, that makes the most sense to me. I, I yeah, me, me too. I don't, I, I don't think it would make sense in that moment for Bran to do that. So this is another, this is another call. We already talked about this, but I do want to play this call because this dude sounds awesome. And he sounds uh, create like he was having an awesome time listening to us the other night. So let's, let's play this message, dude, because you sound fun. <laughs> wow, that made me laugh so much. Made him laugh so much as the walking okay. David doing the little fingers no, voice on the message. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Yeah, Phil, you you're awesome, dude. You're awesome, and Joe and Katie, you're all awesome. No, you're awesome. You're awesome, dude. You're awesome. Okay. Yeah, I tried you're to call. Awesome. Like, I had a question. No, Kozlov, like, you're awesome. I think there's a rat. Uh, and Danny, and Danny, uh, a rat has <laughs> infiltrated Danny. Like, what the hell? Like, dude, everything she does, like those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, like right on top of it. All right, I'm gonna sleep. <laughs> Love you guys. Though. He was so tired out by by being excited. Yeah. And then he comes back. All right, bye. All right, bye. And then he comes back at the end. Right. I love that. That dude. That was an amazing call. I love you. You you fucking get a dick on. Shout out with you get you get some dick on right there for that one. That was great. Dick on, dick on, dick on. That's the dick on call of the night. Great, great, great call there. Okay, so let's go to another another message. Uh, what with, uh, question from Sean from LA. 
Uh, you think Daenerys will make the surviving Lannister soldiers take the black for helping John to help John? I don't think sh she'll take make them take the black. I think she'll make them bend the knee and support her and join her army because her army's weak right now. Not weak. She's just lost so much of her army in those two engagements that I think that she'll say, fight for me. Bend the knee, fight for me, and you guys all can be free like everybody else. And she'll try the same tactics that free, she tried over yeah. there. Yeah, you'll be you'll be free and be able to hang out with me, and uh, and I'll walk around naked everywhere. And oh uh, wait, no, that's the wrong. I wonder, I wonder if we'll see some of the, the the Lannister soldiers that were with Arya have survived that battle and be like now on Daenerys' side. That would be interesting. But I think you're spot on there, man. I mean. I don't know. Daenerys' yeah. forces got decimated by yeah, you. She needs the help. She needs some serious help. Uh, this is from Rich Rich Shatwell in the chat, and this is similar. Do you think that Danny will ransom Jamie for gold so Cersei has to choose to pay the Iron ba Bank back or save Jamie? Oh, that's interesting. What do you think about that, Kyle? I don't think. I personally don't think so. Oh man, see, this is what I've been thinking about. How how does this scene play out? So, does is Bron bronze in the water with Jamie or Dickon's in the water with Jamie? Who do you think is in the water? Bra oh, it's Braun. It's Braun. And I know I said this before because when Braun jumps away from the scorpion, he looks up and he sees a sees a horse, a white horse. They they make sure they show you a scene, a, a one quick flash of Braun looking at a horse. And then later when you see who jumped off the horse, there are two white horses. It's the same horse that you saw before. Well, so that, I think I think that, that makes this easier than uh Braun is probably smarter than Dick on anyway. So Braun's gonna unclasp his armor yep. while they're, they're in the water now the thing is is that do they get to get to swim away does daenerys get distracted or something does she go directly in the water to go get them how does that actually work well, out man well Tyrion also was watching the whole thing from the bird's eye perspective he saw that whole situation happen so he knows jamie's in the fucking water so that's going to be a big test to see where where Tyrion's litmus test is on his he might just like oh dothraki go down there and get them G grab them right there i tend to think that he's going to be captured in that situation and jamie's going to get pulled out of the water water by daenerys's forces there and i don't know if he's going to be I like what you were saying earlier about him having some sort of epiphany in the water there and in that situation, but I, it would be hard for me to imagine them getting out of that situation alive. Or not alive, but without being well, captured. Uh, she's definitely not going to be amicable to Braun. Braun tried no, to kill Drogon. No, fuck that. So, but but is what's Tyrion going to do when he sees Braun? And and Braun goes, and will Braun, if Braun doesn't care, like Braun will want to fight on the side that makes him live. He, he doesn't have any real loyalty to the Lannisters. He has, he has loyalty to his life. You know, you know, Timo has a point in the chat. I've been thinking about this more and more and more. There's a story called The Binding of Fenrir in Norse mythology. There's this beast uh, called Fenrir. He's chained to the ground. He's this giant wolf. And this and this warrior puts his hand in his mouth and his, his arm gets bitten off. It very much mirrors the story of Jamie and Bran. Imagine in the end if like Jamie is like uh, Bran is like siding with the White Walkers and Jamie is like Azor High. I, I don't know. I have this feeling that Jamie is going to help out John anyways. Right. But, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I th I believe that for Jamie Lannister. It's a fun theory to yeah. think and I'm a Jamie fan, but I think I agree with you. I think once Jamie realizes the true, the true threat that's out there, he's going to be right in line. One of the first people to put his life on the line to fight that. And that's what I, and that's again, one of those things I or, love about Jamie. Yeah. Or he like protects Bran or Jon Snow. When, when, when Rhaegar wanted to call the council to get his father off the iron throne, he told Jamie the last conversation he told Jamie, he was like, you know, you know, I want to call a council when I get back to King's Landing 
I want to change shit. I, democratically, these things aren't working out right now. The Targaryens are not respected anymore because of my father. <laughs> and then, and then we know obviously Jamie always thought thought to himself, "Oh, I couldn't protect Rhaegar's children better when the Mountain killed them." You know what I mean? And we obviously know that he killed the Mad King. So uh, Jamie protecting Bran or John in the end is like some sort of poetic poetic thing that would get him in. <laughs> work out the white book in the way he wanted you know what i mean like <laughs> jamie yeah that's what biggie in the chat is saying jamie and bran reunion in season eight i call it now ab is saying sweet robin is a zora high that's talked <laughs> right here of course he is of course he is and uh okay so let's continue here First of all, I want to say I'm very proud of my favorite character, Daenerys, for getting some sweet revenge tonight. But my question is, after that cave scene with Danny and Jon, will Danny's army be enough to defeat the Night King? Would, would Danny with the dragons and all of that support? I don't think so. I think they're going to need a lot more than just Danny and her three dragons to defeat the Night's King. We, Night King. We don't know. A couple people have said this, and they're right, and I agree 100%. We just don't know what these White Walkers can do. We just don't have a... We haven't seen there, but they have giants. They have shit. I mean, dragons are crazy creatures that can kill ma kill mass amounts of people. But White Walkers have magical powers. They can everyone that burns. They can have the skeletons come up. I mean, who knows what the hell they can do? They can stab yeah. things. They can they maybe have telekinesis. They can move shit. I mean, we don't. We just don't know what the fuck they can do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna drop a bombshell here. I'm not sure if anyone's heard this before, but here's the thing. The, the the Night King, the White Walker, we've only seen one White Walker be turned into a White Walker. So we know that Benjen has the dragon glass in his chest, but specifically the, the ceremony that took place at the Weirwood Tree with the Children of the Forest and that particular human, whoever he was. He's the one White Walker that we, he's the Night King. The other White Walkers don't have the same abilities as the Night King. So that suggests that the Night King is a green seer. I think that what's going to happen is there's going to be a scenario. Now, John already killed the White Walker with the Valyrian steel blade. We know that he knows that, and that we know that Dragonglass, Mira, and and also Samuel killed the White Walker. But what I think is going to happen is someone's going to try to kill the Night King with the Valyrian steel blade, and it's not going to work. Hmm. So, Interesting. That that would that would be, and then and then it's like, what do you do in that situation? No one can stop. And I agree that the Night's King seems to have Night King. Sorry, seems to have more power than any of the other White Walkers. He can raise more people from the dead. He has a little bit more of an ability. A little more seems like even his own more of a consciousness and power to turn humans into White Walkers. He's the only one in that scene you were talking about in season four. Forget the episode. Episode. But turns it, the baby. Yeah, it turns the baby. So we see that he's the one with that power and has it beyond anyone else. So I could definitely. see see that being part of it that it's not can't be just as simple as the valerian steel blades can kill every one of all the white walkers and the night king easy like that it's gonna have to be a bigger challenge to stop what is about to happen it's not no. just gonna be simple as getting everyone weapons mm -hmm. and cutting down every single one i just think that that's just too hack and slashy to to be to be what this story is all about now we, there, there is a prophecy in the books: three fires you must light, one for death, one for love, one for life. So I, I, I think that I mean we saw Daenerys light two fires already, right? One for death, one for one for life with her dragons. One for death, she killed the Dothraki. Um, and is is it, the other one love? The other one's love. So what if there's a scenario where Daenerys knows that she's the only option to fight the White Walker? She has to remember. We got to look back at her vision in King's Landing when the Red Keep is destroyed. Yep. She goes beyond the wall, and Drogo and Rhaegar are beyond the wall. That's symbolism. That means that her destiny, her not touching the Iron Throne, she's not going to have the Iron Throne. That's not her destiny. I think that what's going to happen is is 
they're gonna they're they're gonna there's gonna be battles next season. They're gonna lose almost all their battles until the final one, and then they're gonna win. Yeah. But John's gonna the, the bittersweet ending is that John is Azor high and he has to kill Daenerys. They're actually gonna fall in love like oh, like like you written John did. But what if because but check this out, but Daenerys was unburnt twice. So what if John puts a blade through her and legitimately it's like, okay, this blade is now imbued with the soul of Daenerys slash the properties that make her unburned. You know what I mean? So that that could maybe I don't I don't know if it's literal the the whole Lightbringer thing, you know what I mean? But that that's possibly a scenario that might happen. I te- I tend to think something similar, except I think it's gonna be John that has to do it to Daenerys, that like flipped around that John will have to do something to kill to stop to to kill her or f- to get some power. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know, but but it's gonna be all I know is it's gonna be f- amazingly fun to watch these final nine episodes of Game of Thrones that are left here. Oh, Fuck also, me. <laughs> uh, me and George interviewed Paula Fairfield at Con of Thrones, who does all the sounds. She talked about how she loves making White Walker sounds and dragon sounds. We actually had an exclusive interview with her. She said every single episode is going to be 80 to 90 minutes long, and the finale of the whole series is probably going to be two hours or longer. Fuck yes, and definitely go and check out that video on Kyle's channel if you want to check out that interview. So uh, so this is from, or what was the best battle we've had in the last four seasons? I say it's a combination of Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards, this, Blackwater, like, I think all of them have their moments that are great. If I had to pick one, it would probably be Hard Home. I just, I think that the point of where it came in that season and the interpretation of everything else that was going on that season and the way it just sort of, that episode came out of nowhere uh, in, uh, in that moment just built up, I thought it was the best the best total one. But if someone told me Battle of the Bastards or this one was their favorite, you wouldn't be wrong. So I, I think it's it's uh, whatever time of day. I mean, I'm usually a recency bias, so I'm having to fight off, say, this one. But I think if I really look at it, the one that I was the most, oh, my fuck, was uh, was was Hard Home in the moment of watching it. Best scene, Hard Home. Best battle, probably Battle of the Bastards. I think yeah. the best scene overall, because there are moments in Hard Home where you're just like, you're waiting to see the Night King, and, and there's like this, this, there's this, I mean, e- even before the battle, there's this sense of like there's the, the cold mist that's coming and you're like, oh my God, we are going to see the White Walkers completely annihilate everyone. So I think the best scene overall, because there's less fighting, is hard home, but the best battle is the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, the way that was filmed with the horses and the way they've all put it together and with John facing off against the army coming at him, that was just, I, I said it at the time, the best one-on-one battle coming at each other ever. The battle that we got the other night was amazingly fun it was incredible but i think that was just in my approximation a taste of what's the what's to come next season i think we're going to get a lot of things like that also paula when we did interview her we got to talk to her after the interview and later in the weekend and she said the budget for season eight she told us that hbo the budget is basically unlimited for the final season they don't care they want to make it the best Single season of television in history, period. I fucking hope so. And Vala Margolis, thank you, motherfuckers, and thank you all you guys. So, guys, I think that it's going to go down. It's going to be insane. You guys are awesome. And Kyle, I hope so. James says, uh, this is from James. I got a comment about the Game of Thrones. You know when Bran says the Littlefinger, do you know who this dagger belongs to? I think that he really knows who it originally owned it, like some Targaryen back in the day. I believe, again, that's stuff in the Song of Ice and Fire book that you hear hear about that, but I I could be wrong. Like, I read that I read that quickly a long time ago, so I I don't have that information. I I think Kyle might know this better than better than I. We spoke about it last night on the live stream. It's I think it's either Visenya's or Aegon's. I think it, I think it's actually going to be Aegon's dagger for for show purposes. 
because uh, John's name is going to be Aegon. Yeah, yeah. So the good they'll connect Prince it like that. That makes Prince sense. I was promised, and then eventually Arya will have it, and then because uh, it's not just going to be there for Arya, right? I mean, it's it's a Valyrian steel dagger. It has dragon bone in it. It has a ruby in it. Rhaegar wore rubies on his his chest plate and his armor and shit like that. So I think it's going to be Aegon's, and it was originally given to Rhaegar or or someone someone else along the line, and then and then it was somehow taken by someone else but i think it was Aegon's dagger and john's name is Aegon, and they're going to make that connection with that dagger as well similar question about that and uh that this kind of basically says the same thing uh you this is from area code 936 hey phil the cat's paw dagger was shown in sam's reading in episode one to have belonged to Aegon, and that's what brand meant when he asked littlefinger if he knew who he belonged to do you think that means it will have some greater importance uh, i think the greater importance is now yeah absolutely it's going to be used for some some big things to come and i think it's no no secret that it's in or no accident that it's in Arya's hands either thank yes, man Arya oh my god man that scene with Arya I love I love the feel the fire scene but that scene was just as good for me because I'm a huge Arya fan yeah it was great it was I great it was and a lot of people are picking apart that scene I don't give a fuck it was fun as hell I loved every second of that scene Paul it was Syria uh, yeah. and Jack and yeah. Agar when she and, does and that everything. first pass on uh Brienne and she like puts it to her head and she gives that just she totally she didn't have to put on Syria's face to turn into him in that moment she did she, I want the one thing and I'm glad she didn't say it because sometimes it's better to not say the thing you know everyone's thinking she said it with her eyes dead girl right there in that moment she said fucking dead girl right there so uh this and i'm very curious about this point and i think i think i know the answer i think it's a simple answer but it's a funny thing so what if Littlefinger dies what happens to the veil forces did sweet robin fly out the moon door or something will they automatically be in alliance with the north i really don't hope they let that storyline die if Littlefinger dies uh, which I think, you know, which some people think is going to happen. And, and if Littlefinger keeps acting the way he is, he's, he's on one on a fast course path to death. Uh, the Vale forces go to Sweet Robin, right? I mean, there's no, it's no two ways about it. Sweet Robin becomes Lord of the Vale. And you know what happens to those? So those people start rounding up people to get thrown into the moon door. They're not loyal to shit. They're loyal to Sweet Robin. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be loyal to the North. They're going to be ignored the crazy pants and Sansa's is going to have to go seduce sweet Robin to get him on her side or something. Here's the thing. What does Sansa know that Peter did? Kick her, kick lies out the moon door. He, I mean, other than that, Littlefinger has been a little candid with her, more candid than some, but that's the main thing, especially to Robin that she has in her pocket there. So Sansa knows that and Arya knows what, that Littlefinger was at Harrenhal with Tywin with Lannister. With Tywin Lannister, yep. Okay, so together they both know that someone like Sandor comes into Winterfell and was like, hey, that treacherous rod falls to the head of the night to your father's throat or something like that, something along those lines. But we got to know that Sansa, she was delegating over the past couple episodes and Bronze Yon Royce took an order from her. And we remember that Bronze Yon Royce has been manipulated by Littlefinger as well. So what I think is going to happen is that Littlefinger saw that Sansa was shook by what was happening with Arya, he's going to try to exploit Arya because he knows she's of a different makeup than Sansa. And I think that that's not going to work. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's, I think the minute he, I think the minute he tries to fuck with Arya or keeps fucking with Sansa or messes around, I think ultimately Bran is sadistically fun in the way that he's acting right now. And he gave Arya that dagger knowing that she'll eventually kill kill Littlefinger. Does Bran know the future? No, but he knows his sister well enough from knowing her past actions to know that Littlefinger's on a one-way course to death from that dagger that he gave to Bran. 
And things happen in threes, like I mentioned earlier. Sansa has put down Littlefinger three times so far this season, saying, why would you trust Littlefinger? Littlefinger's not trustworthy. Littlefinger is like this. He said that to three different in three different scenarios. So we got to remember everybody that thinks there's going to be a, a stark conflict, it's actual fake news. Yeah, all right? yeah it's not it's not happening. It's it's absolutely not happening. Here's a couple of quick questions from the chat. Phil, a uh, question for Phil and Kyle. Uh oh, here comes Sansa. Is that that necklace with a chain and needle she's wearing again this season, foreshadowing Arya possibly killing Littlefinger and the emergence of Doc of Dark Sansa? I definitely think the first part of that and the other half of this with Timo. If Sansa is so smart, why'd they need to dumb down Littlefinger to make her look better? I don't know, not so much if it's about making her look better, as in, I, I talk about this a lot with The Walking Dead, where a character has to act stupid in a moment to let the zombies get them. And I think with Littlefinger, it's a, it's a credit of, as we're getting to this end point of the story and they don't necessarily know where to take Littlefinger and they know these big points and these big bold things with Littlefinger at a certain point they're probably taking the tack that con men eventually reach a corner where they're boxed in and they can't do anymore and this is Littlefinger's last straw so he's dying in this season and he's grasping at straws because he has nowhere to go and nothing to do except for try to be loyal with Sansa or whatever I'm just trying to voice what was going on in the writer's room about it but I don't it's I think like it's coming of off that he's dumb what was that? It's like, a game of black, it's like a game of blackjack. Littlefinger's been sitting at 20 for all these seasons. It's like he's he, like, like he screws with the star girl. It's like saying, hit me. It's like, okay, yep. you're done. You're done. You know what I mean? Yep. He's, he, like, he has, he's 20, he has 18. He's trying to get a three or something here. And he, and he's just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting. But I think ultimately there is an element of that, that they're writing him a little stupid this season to, because if I was Littlefinger in this situation, the minute Bran came in there, or at least the minute Bran said chaos is a ladder to me and I see Arya eye fucking me, I leave and I go, I take the Vale soldiers and I get the fuck out of there. And, and I don't try to mess in this situation. The little finger I know would be like, okay, I have a, I have to go see to little for, to see to sweet Robin's training. I, I'll be back in two weeks and then leave and go to Cersei and fucking cry to her about what's going on and say, this is what your enemies are doing. I mean, that's, that's little finger. What we're seeing this season is someone that is led by his penis a little too much. I think. The thing is too, is that, that, that exact scenario that happened with Brandon Littlefinger. Littlefinger knows that he can't climb the ladder anymore. Yep. That, that, like, you know what I mean? Literally, the ra the Raven is outside calling at Littlefinger. Like, Bran's watching him, right? So I think that in that scenario, Littlefinger knows that he can't climb the ladder anymore, so he has to make his last stand in Winterfell. It's kind of like Ned in King's Landing. Ned was such a fish out of water in King's Landing. He he, he didn't have the the, the know all slash the the, the polychief to really know how to maneuver or the, the or the throat. want to learn how to do it right. Yeah, he he was full of pride and 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 uh, <laughs> an honor. But the little finger, it's the exact opposite. He's like he's tried to play so so many different things that that Sansa's catched on. And what we we got to remember is Sansa even said to herself, she's learned from the Queen of Thorns, Cersei, Marjorie, Littlefinger himself, Ramsay Bolton. I mean, and yeah, and Timo, I know you had Timo. I know you hate Sansa, but. I'm sorry, she's going to be a fan favorite by the end of the And Reek. So Tom says, hey, <laughs> Uncle Phil, what's the chances of Bran walking into Sweet Robin's Falcon and fucking killing him? <laughs> that would be awesome. I don't think there's I don't think there's a hope of that, but I would pay money. I would rather him uh, 
fly into one of the ravens that picks him up by his uh, by his seat and drops him out the moon door. I think the only destiny of Sweet Robin is to fly, is to fly, fly, fly like the bird that he is. So let's go to a few more questions. I'm keeping uh, I'm keeping Kyle longer because I'm having such a good time. So uh, so here we go. Uh, this is uh, SSB. SSLB31327832287. Sorry, I can't read right now. Do you think it's a good idea to bring the Golden Company in at this point? I don't want to be the spoiler guy, but there's obvious reasons to not even cross that bridge. Why not just have the gold not make it? It seems like a bad idea to introduce something with limited episodes left. Now, question two. I absolutely hated the reveal of Arya's skills to Littlefinger and Sansa. What do you guys think? We already talked about question two. Question three. I think Braun looking at the gold in the ground has double meaning. One, he got paid, so it's true that the Lannisters pay their debts. But on the other hand, it had if he hadn't sworn loyalty, he would have had that gold and probably wouldn't be dodging Dragon Breath in a crazed Dothraki at that moment. I see him either switching sides or leaving. I think he's regretting what he left to join Jamie in that situation. And I do see him at the first opportunity he gets to switch sides to Tyrion's side. I think he's done with that brother and he wants to get with the other brother again. And the first part of this question I want to ask to Kyle, do you think it's a good idea to bring in the Golden Company at this point? Do you think for obvious reasons they shouldn't cross that bridge should they not introduce it with limited limited time and I also as a double part of that I played you this message earlier and I want to play you this voicemail total from that we were listening to before the show and I'm going to go grab another beer while you listen to this and then uh, Kyle's going to go on about the Golden Company for a little bit and this is for our guests here knowing that my favorite team house, Targaryens, dominated the Lannisters, House Lannister. I would like to know if you're an expert in the books. And you know, I always have to talk about the books because the books are tradition. But with this next book coming, Winter, Win the Winter, and Win the Winter, um, do you think they're going to. George R. Martin had already written this storyline, but in a different fashion. It's not against the Lannisters, but um, no, it is against the Lannisters. But it's not that Targaryens might attack. It could have been um, um, probably um, Aegon that does this. But give us a. Your opinion on this? Yeah, so th this is an interesting question for for basically uh, what the, uh, people are saying that they don't understand this guy. What he was trying to say is that in the winds of winter, basically we know that Fagon or Aegon, uh, Aegon Blackfire, in, in my estimation, um, or I don't even know if his name is Aegon. He he's yeah yeah whatever his name is. Den. He's captured Storm's End and he has the Golden Company with him already. I think what they're going to set up is a dance with dragons. I think that. Eventually, Daenerys is going to take out Aegon. He's the mummer's dragon. And then she will kind of rise up as the real Targaryen and then Cersei. And, and Daenerys will kind of be there. You know what I mean? Um, eventually, Stannis will. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Stannis. But eventually, Jon will still take over the Northern storyline yeah. at some point. He's going to be a ghost body at some point. Do you think, do you think but, Johnny but, and, do you think John, I'm sorry, I was going to interrupt and ask you about John and Danny. Do you think John and Danny meet as quickly in the books? I don't, I don't think so at all. No, absolutely not. Da Daenerys will have made it probably i mean she'll probably have killed aegon and the golden company and then i, I don't necessarily know that a i don't think aegon is going to be taking the iron throne it's going to be really interesting to see who he marries it's probably going to be Arya and martell 
um because because the the dornish don't like the lannisters and we got to assume that you know the lannisters and tyrells they want to stay in power in king's landing i don't know if euron will will be there but we got to assume that i think that daenerys and, and aegon are going to fight at some point because or or they marry which i don't think is a possibility so i think he's going to be outed as a black fire but the here's here's my thinking Daenerys is uh, got decimated. Her uh, her army's got decimated in the show. She doesn't really want to reach out to the Golden Company because the Blackfires and and the Targaryens were always in in battle over succession over the Iron Throne. So it makes sense for Cersei, like I said earlier, to reach out to the Golden Company, uh, who are in in league, I guess, with the Iron Bank. Uh, as Pike the store says, some people were in debt and and they've recovered um, land or money or or certain types of. Uh, artifacts that they they've needed to get from from certain kingdoms or whatever over in Essos. But I, I think yes, it's going to be different. It's going to be. I mean, the Golden Company is not going to be allied with the Lannisters. Now, do you think it's too late in the story to bring in the Golden Company on the show? Or are they just going to be foot soldiers to get killed yeah. on Cersei's side at this point, And it's kind of a waste to make it the Golden Company. They're they're going to they're going to make it very surface. I think. Yeah, I me mean, too. I think we, they, we, we know yeah. they're going. We're going to get longer episodes. I mean. Technically, we're getting six episodes, but we're getting nine episodes worth of material. They're dragon, they're dragon fodder, or they're White Walker fodder. That's what they're ultimately going to be, and more, more bodies for the Night's King's army basically, to be yeah. to be risen. So, and, and basically, what it is too is it's just to 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 further the conflict between Daenerys and Cersei. They'll they'll probably mention the Blackfire rebellions and stuff like that, and and Daenerys will be even more pissed off at Cersei, and then. Daenerys will be so focused on this, and Cersei will be so focused on this, and then the Night King's like coming yeah. and the walls down. It's ba basically it's all diversion tactic, really. To, uh, but but I do, but I do think that Cersei's probably going to survive until like the second last episode of the series. I think that there will be some stuff going on at King's Landing and some stuff on the Trident. I think or near the God's Eye. Uh, I, I hope I hope Jamie finds an opportunity to kill her before that. But I, you're probably right that they're not they're going to keep Cersei on the show as long as possible. So people got to remember that it is it, it, there is going to be this political aspect in the end. They're going to have to solve all. The, I mean, because basically what it is is the White Walkers are inspire are going to inspire some democratic change in the end, or at least at least. Uh, some sort of change in the end yes they are a force of nature and death but they're going to have to figure out how to move forward after everything's over unless the white walkers win which i don't think is going to happen jose so, oh sorry jose yeah. this is for you and thank you for the super chat donation i'll give you one more spin motherfucker thank you so much buddy for the super chat donation thank you to jose and thank you to all the people and huge thank you for kyle for joining us tonight we're not going anywhere quite yeah we still got a bunch more questions and a couple of voicemails to get to uh but oh i got 10 push-ups okay so i have to do 10 push-ups and a drum thing that's gonna be fun so so uh give me one second and uh, what I'll give the next question or one of our next questions to Kyle and then I'll do my push-ups. Now, uh, this is a sh this, the next question was area code 401. Love the show. Who's the rat in Danny's camp? We already talked about that earlier. This is from Basquat76. And this is a question I've seen going around. It's making its rounds. And, and personally, I'll give my quick answer. Can you kill a dragon with poison? Last time Jamie talked about learning from his mistakes, he could have poisoned with those giant arrows. I don't know if poison works on a dragon. 
I don't know if they're, they're kind of blood. They're ultimately like hot molten fire, blah, 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 blah. I don't think poison on that scale of the way it works on a human would work. You need to create a super, maybe that's something else Kyburn could work on. Some sort of, uh, if he could get a hold of a dragon and do experiments on it and figure out what kills it, maybe introduce some sort of toxin. But I don't think it's going to be as simple as what would kill a human would have the same effect on a dragon. I'm going to let Kyle go while I do my 10 push-ups. Yeah, you know, I think that's absolute fake news. I mean, yeah, it is called the scorpion and Kyburn's into into all sorts of stuff uh, that wasn't looked upon fondly at the Citadel. But I, I don't think a dragon is a magical beast. We've got to remember that Melisandre is magical and she uh, drank Crescent's poison and she didn't have anything going on for her. So I think that uh, a little bit of poison is not going to hurt Drogon, man. I agree. Thanks. I just don't think it's going to have that, that kind of effect. One, two, three. Oh. Okay, that's enough. Uh, yeah, I just I don't see it having that kind of effect on a dragon when it really comes down to it. I it's it might it might slow him down for a second, but then he'll just easily pass through it and stuff. And I did give you a bite of the sandwich. Thank you so much. So let's uh, let's let's get to Stacy E's points here at the end. Thank you, Q, for all the love, and thank you to everyone, all Kyle's friends that are joining us today, and all the FOPs in the live chat. Awesome live chat right now. I'm seeing you guys talking. Great times. I'm getting distracted in it as I'm out of breath from my push-ups. <gasps> oh, my God. So uh, the biggest, this is from Stacy E. The biggest takeaway for me, John now fully understands why Mance Raider would not bend the knee to say, uh, fuck my pride. It wasn't about his peoples, the respect they had for him, and everything he believes in. Wouldn't kill John, no pun intended, to have a little story time with Danny to explain that to her. Excellent point. John could be more direct. He just doesn't know how to talk to people. Give him a break. He came back from the dead. Brand died in that cave, and, and Brand Brand died in that cave. Brandon River, Rivers, Targaryen, and formed commander of the Night's Watch, is now Bran. Or perhaps Bran, Brandon Rivers was a vessel for the Three-Eyed Raven, and now Bran is that as well. Danny saying to John, people would listen to their king, I took as a clear ask for bending the knee in marriage, as he would not have to bend the knee in a subservient way as Warden of the North, but as an equal. Interesting. Clearly the sexual tension has been played up in several scenes, and in leaving Dario behind, Danny has always been prepared to marry and means to bring the realm together. Number four, Littlefinger's still a cunt. Number five, Sons is still a jealous, prissy, petty shit. Comes with the jeans. She's a ginger. It is known. Whoa, hey. And number six, Drogon is wounded, but still alive, and he's hungry. A barbecue Lannister entirely is on the menu. Number seven, Jamie didn't fall into the salt water, so he cannot call be called reborn of salt and smoke. Sorry, <laughs> Timo. Rant away. And also, sorry to Kyle. Rant away. Kyle, any points in there uh, inspire you Inspire you to say anything about that? But I think that I mean, pretty much speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, fir the first one sticks out the most, obviously, uh, the recurring of what Mance Raider said. I think that a Daenerys, Daenerys respects John, actually, than John, uh, uh, how much John respects Daenerys right now. I think that yeah. Daenerys actually has quite a bit of respect for him. Um, I, I think that what's going to happen, I mean, she's even been asking for his advice. She asked for his advice twice, technically. So I think that what's going to happen is she's going to come back from this battle and they're, they're going to talk about stuff, right? And John, John has to go to Eastwatch at some point. And the next episode is called Eastwatch. He's got to deal with stuff in the North. And I think that once he leaves, she's going to feel, she's going to miss him. 
Mrs. Miss Mrs. Presence because John does have this presence about him. He and does. I, and I don't want to miss Jon Snow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a total eclipse <laughs> of John of Jon Snow. But to, to go to that comment too, I do. We do have a response to that comment, and for the response, it is. It's the night. It's the night. Stacey E, I'll come up with a salt part. Maybe his tears from his time with Brienne. Maybe he had some salt for his guest's rice at some points. Maybe there was some salt pork in one of those wagons. Either way, Jamie was brave and a hero and that young squires will dream to be. And he's totally with the Sansa part. Stacey, and Stacey responded, I'll be there. There, I just read Duncan Egg, uh, Egg on the Five, The Squire to Duncan the Tall, aka Master Eamon's trilogy. Thought about they kept referencing a song about Blood Raven, aka Brendan Rivers. How many eyes does Blood Raven have? A thousand eyes and one. I think the show fucked up not making the Three Eyed Raven only have one eye with a raven shaped birthmark on his face, but maybe that didn't want it to be that obvious. The Three Eyed Raven, I think Three Eyed Raven was just kind of like a cool term that they went with and kind of just took off in the show, which like a lot of things in the show, they said they thought sounded cool, so they kind of went with it. And the last part of that, I think you're projecting your own salty tears here, fancy pants. Uh, this is from this is from Stacy again. As Jamie is a ten hundred thousand times more likely to be the Valenclaw than Azora High. No question, Jamie is not a coward. He was one of the youngest to ever be knighted and certainly to be a member of the Kingsguard for no reason. There are many badass warriors in Game of Thrones. So lots of good stuff going on back and forth there. And uh, this is our last, no, we got a couple more questions here. Uh, we only saw one Ballista-type weapon used in tonight's battle scene. This is from Jay Large. If the battle ever occurs where dragons are used to assault King's Landing, Kyle, how many of those could you expect that we'd see? I mean, how many, how, how many, uh, how many eyes maybe, does Blood Raven have? <laughs> five, five, five or six, maybe, four, four, four or five. I mean, I don't know, more, more than one. We and you know you know who probably helped make that is Gendry, by the way, who I think we're going to see in the next episode. I, I think that that's going to be a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, probably a few more. I, I think that eventually we're going to get the assault of King's Landing at some point. Yep, and maybe, probably probably the opening of next season will that. Th I, I tend to think that too, and I also think whether it's either going to be this week or next week that we see Gendry. It's I think I said in a preseason thing I thought in episode five or six. So uh, so let's now let's get to Stacy has a few more points for our last message of the night. Then we have a couple of voicemails, and we'll take a little bit of live <laughs> chat, and then we'll uh, uh, thank Kyle for being here. But let's uh, let's listen to this. Play. Holy sh callbacks, Batman. Number one, Danny with Danny is the role reverse with Mance Raider and John. John is now in the same position as Torin Stark, the king who knelt. Cave paintings made by the children of the forest have the same circular symbols, and clearly they mine the dragon glass there, likely where they got the daggers for the Night's Watch. Number four, Stannis correcting Davos's fewer, Davos correcting John's fewer. Funny, funny, funny. Number five, Chaos is a ladder. Bran knows what Littlefinger's been up to. Number six, Littlefinger gives the Bran the dagger meant to kill him. Who he gives it to? Arya. We can only help hope uh, he, she kills Littlefinger. Number Number seven, Arya trying to get into King's Landing and Arya trying to get into Winterfell. Arya's armor is the same style as Ned's the last time they see each other. Number nine, Arya and Brienne end their fight exactly the way Cyril and Arya finished their last fight. Number ten, Sansa and Arya are the same as they were with kids just grown up, a lady and a fighter, and they still don't really get along. And that's why I like the way that scene played out. A lot of people were like, they wanted more. What'd you expect from two people? The last time they talked, they hated each other, and Sansa was close to being on Arya's list. Jamie falls through the water exactly the way Bran does when he 
falls from the tower. And number 12, Jamie charges at Danny. Is him again trying to keep another Targaryen from burning at all. Number 13, Robert Baratheon, only a fool would meet the Dothraki in open field. Bron, those fuckers are about to swamp us. Number 14, Khal Drogo and Drogon, who she named after Drogon, were both injured in the shoulder, albeit the opposite side. Aside with the scorpion and infamous arch, arch nine bolts tipped in venom or poison. Field of Fire part do, uh, part deuce, pun intended, as the Lannisters got a flaming poo shit on. Any other callbacks that they missed there, Kyle? And what do you think about all of uh, Stacey's callbacks? You know, the, the really big one that stuck out to me was all of the cave paintings within uh, the Dragon Dragon uh, Dragonstone cave scene. I'm actually doing a video on that this week. My buddy wrote a paper on it. But the thing that we that we uh, that we sh that should be pointed out, and I've studied these symbols like crazy, man. The concentric circles, there's one and another one. That's actually representation of the God's Eye, where mm. they made the Pact of Ice and Fire, where the men in the Children of the Forest actually made the agreement to, to fight, fight to, to fight and To fight the White Walkers and then eventually, or as we think, uh, rise the wall and protect them once they got them pushed out. The one thing that they failed to show in all of the cave paintings is that the Children of the Forest created the White Walkers, which is something that's... Yeah. Absolutely humongous that only Bran knows, or Bran and Mira know, and, and also, uh, or yeah, the three eyed Raven knows too. Uh, probably Howland Reed, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that the, their family they were very closely associated to uh, to that to that specific um, uh, the order of the Green Hand. But I think that what's really important is is that is that we we see these symbols and and we see uh, like the representation of the Long Night and. If we know the the spiral the spiral of the horses that we see and that the night king mm -hmm. left with the horses' bodies, we know that the same spiral symbol was around the rock formation around the tree. But it also represents a storm, interestingly enough, going towards the sun like a hurricane. And the night king represents a storm. He's bringing the storm. storm and and, and the storm is coming with them as they march. I mean, it's so it's so cool. All the parallels are amazing. We've got two texts and two voicemails, so we're sort of starting to wrap things up here and going to take these final four, but. Also, this is your last opportunity. If anyone does want to call in and talk to us live, 657-383-0370. We'll end with a call or two if we have any. If not, we'll take these last four messages and call it a stream. You guys have been fucking awesome today, tonight, joining us. And we really do appreciate all the support, all the super chat, all the fun. So uh, our first one is from Antoine, who uh, left us a message earlier. Phil, Azora, Phil and Azora, I prefer the Golden Company helping Danny Oth overthrow Cersei to fulfill the prophecy first. Then season eight we'll see john and danny versus aegon in the golden company after cersei is gone now antoine really believes that that ultimately ultimately that the uh, that aegon's gonna end up on the show he, he was he, he left a message last week saying that he he bets aegon ends the show i i i i'm sorry i'm sorry i love you antoine i think there is literally zero percent chance aegon ends i up bet the show. all my money that he i bet yeah. all the money all in, in. i'm all in on that kyle i'm pushing it in i will say i will say i will shave my head live on the air if if aegon ends up on the uh, on the show I'll lead another sock live on air, man. Because yeah. I called Lady Stoneheart in the end of season six. So I'll, I'll lead a sock live on air, man, if it happens. A Antoine's gonna like be petitioning HBO. I want to see that fucking hippie bald. Shave that, shave the hippie's head. It's gonna be some guy, some passing character that says, "Hi, my name's Aegon." And there's see, there's an Aegon. Or it's a, no. If that ca if Phaegon ends up on the show, if they do that storyline, I I'm I'm all joking aside. I don't want to cut my hair, Antoine. They, they, they can't do it. They're not doing it. It's too episodes. late. It's too late. It's too fucking late. They, there's too much else to do, and it, it'd be too difficult. The show did not 
need to just be eight seasons. It could have been longer. They could have theoretically introduced that in the right circumstances, but it's way too late. Any of that element that they bring in, I think, I, I talked about this in another show earlier, I think it'll be wrapped up in Jon Snow with tar any Targaryen issues that we get will be with Jon and Danny, and they'll they'll kind of they'll kind of uh, take elements of that story maybe and put it in other places. But I don't think we're gonna see Aegon in that way. This is from area code five one six, and this is who or what was Mel going to visit at Volantis or retrieve there? Uh, it, was she going Ooh. to get something specific? Do you have any opinions on this? Um, I do. A sword, maybe. <laughs> Actually, um, in the world of Ice and Fire. Uh, the, the Great Temple of Relore, there's uh, they're called the Fiery Hand. There are a thousand soldiers, uh, and they actually they're they're uh, they're armored in ornate armor over red red robes, and they have spears that are shaped like flames. But there's never a th uh, uh, there's never more than a thousand soldiers, or never uh, less than a thousand soldiers. And I think that Mel's gonna go over there, come back with a bunch of red priests and a thousand soldiers. The the order of they're called the Order of the Fiery Hand. Yep. And I think yeah. and I think that they're gonna come over, and there's it's going to be like, because George kind of just released the information that Beric Dondarrion is a fire white revived by the Lord of Light. And we know that whites, the other whites are branded by the Knights, the Knights King. And there's kind of like this hive mind thing going on with the Knights King and because he's a necromancer. So I think there's going to be like this giant battle of the dead versus the, the dead kind of um, with fire whites and whatnot. I, so. I, t I tend to agree with you or, and it would be, or. I don't even want to get into this, but I have the sick fantasy that maybe they might actually work to get. I don't know. I don't know. There's some fucked up shit's going to go down at the end of this story. And it's going to be things we do, we least expect. Timo, another $10 super chat donation. Timo, you're amazing. Would Bran ever care? Uh, Littlefinger betrayed his father since he isn't Bran anymore and has no feelings about. I think he has no feelings about any real life situations when it comes down to it. He cares about one thing, even more focused than John. John can say, I'm not thinking about Daenerys's titties, but it's all, I'm a man, a man, man, man. It's all about the titties for John. He's thinking about them. Where we see it, we hear that music, we know. But for Bran, all he cares about right now is preparing himself for this final battle. He does not care about these silly... You know when John's saying you guys are like children playing a game that doesn't matter? That's how Bran feels about any interaction between the humans and their fucking nonsense right now. And here's your spin, Timo. Wow! And let's listen to one of our final two voicemails here. This is from... Ah, oh, awesome. Uh, this is from the Bloody Talker. So, Bloody Talker, here's your voicemail. Talkers make me thirsty. Hey, Phil, this is uh, the Bloody Talker. I just wanted to ask a quick question. I haven't really heard anybody talking about it, and I kind of tuned in late, so forgive me if you addressed it. But uh, how badly hurt do you think Drogon is? We haven't seen him fly since he took that ballista bolt to the shoulder. So does this mean that Danny lost one of her dragons as a you know, flying asset in this war? Uh, or is she going to have to rely on the two smaller dragons already? Uh, I don't know. That would be kind of a pretty big loss if he's got to recover. All right. That's it. Talk to you later. Good, good, good call. I personally think that uh Drogon's gonna be fine it's it's uh I think he could still fly afterwards he was hovering right after get right after gaining his balance he hovered in front of the ballista and he blew the fucking thing up so and he, then he just went down I think dragons probably heal I think he has not quite wolverine like healing abilities but I think pretty soon give him a day or so and that and that wound will heal harder than it was before and this isn't because bloody talker I don't agree with your call but you're a talker Listening to talkers 
makes me thirsty. If any more words come pouring out your cunt mouth, I'm gonna have to eat every fucking chicken in this room. I had to play that at some point the night for for because you, know, you know you know Sandor is my favorite. Yep, I had I had to play. I knew I knew I had to play that at least once for you, Kyle. So uh, so yeah, so I, I think uh, I think ultimately in that situation, Drogon's not that injured. How about you, Kyle? Uh, do you think Drogon has any long term effects by this? No, and Samuel and Tyrion are gonna be around, uh, and Bran, so uh, they could possibly find some information on how to heal that dude. <laughs> oh man. fucking. Samuel. Sorry, we have Euron Greyjoy in the chat right now. He's like, bring that dragon to me. He's such a pussy. My big cock will kill him. I added the big cock part. But, <laughs> but that's what but that's what Euron's saying to the live chat. Uh, Aaron Sharp says that dragon's going to be in physical therapy for an episode or two. But it'll be back. How can you hate a dragon? Uh, our good friend. I keep wanting to bring this up. But I'll bring it up at the end of the show. Do, so I, I'm curious. Somebody, some, we'll call him Johnny the Irish Giants Bane the Pooh, thinks that uh, thinks that ghosts could beat Drogon in a fight. What, what do you What do you think of What do you think about that, Kyle? I I love Johnny. You know I love Johnny. <laughs> I love Johnny. Man, we not. we both love Johnny. This is you can we cannot send a lot of love to Johnny the uh, Giants Bane. I'm gonna have to disagree with. But that you're one. an idiot here, Johnny. You're an idiot. Jogo would have him first now. Yeah, yeah. J Johnny, Johnny needs to be checked for drug use after that comment. So, uh, so let's uh, let's go to area code eight one three. Love you, Johnny. Hopefully, you can join us next time. Area code eight one three. Hey, uh, I'm a huge. My name's Hunter. I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, I just had a thought. What if? Um, where Sansa and Littlefinger, Littlefinger get married, and then Sansa kills Littlefinger. Mm. Sansa becomes the Lord, the Lordess, Lord, Lordess of uh, Harrenhal, and the Knights of the Vale, and and uh, John, while John is the King of the North, so she'll be, uh, yeah, but yeah. No, I mean that would definitely be a power play by Sansa. It does she have the uh, does she have the ovaries to pull that off? Do you think so? Do you think she has the ovaries to pull pull a move like that off, Kyle? I don't I quite mean, think so. She's she, she's going to be a major player at the end of this season. I mean, she's going to be she's going to be a major asset, actually, man. I mean, so I mean, uh, yeah, she does. She does have it, man. I think by the end of the season, she's going to have all the confidence in the world. I don't know if she'll do that specifically. But, I mean, she's going to have the Knights of the Veil, vale, though, man. She's going to have them. They're, they're going to be Sansa's. Because Bronze Yonder... Well, they're going to be the Norse, essentially. Um, funny enough, I, I can kind of kind of go for this, too. I, I interviewed uh, Rupert Van Istart, who plays uh, Bronze Yonder Royce. And he... I don't want to spoil anything for you guys, but I asked him the question if he was going to end up supporting John at some point, And I got, I got a pretty good answer for that. I'm not going to spoil it, but nice. I think you guys are like, what's going to happen? Nice. Love the tease. Love the tease, Kyle. So for our last voicemail of the night, and again, if anyone does does want to call in, 657-383-0370 or 781-990-8509 to leave one last voicemail. Otherwise, this will be our last voicemail of the night, or and then we'll turn to the live motherfucking chat for a couple questions before we let Kyle go for the evening. So let's, uh, let's play this. This is a little bit of a longer message, uh, but let's check it out. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's see what happens here. Hey, Phil, this is Guy and uh, Kyle. Um, my biggest question, and it's more of a statement than a question, I guess, is even though the Sand Snakes, uh, Illyria Sand or whatever her Sand name is, have been taken out, 
what about the, the, the soldiers in Dorne? Uh, last I remember in the books and from what I've heard, Dorne has close to between twenty and 30,000 troops that haven't even been a part of any of the fighting uh, since Robert's Rebellion, if they were even part of that. So um, can Danny use the troops in, in Dorne? And what about the forces in the Stormlands? Um, if if what we're hoping comes true, Gendry uh, comes back, could Daenerys or Jon legitimize him into Gendry Baratheon? And then would that make him then the liege lord or acting lord of Storm's End? And, and would he be able to rally the houses of the Stormlands uh, I know Brianna Tarth, her father is from the Stormlands as well, if I remember correctly. So I don't think uh, it's too bad for Danny uh, um, as far as her losses. And with her victory and with Field of Fire 2.0, um, she she can definitely get quite a bit of the soldiers from the Reach, uh, the high towers of, of uh, Old Town, and all the other houses. Uh, the hell with entirely is. <laughs> um, as far as I'm concerned, Randall can can burn uh, that jackass. Randall but, can suck uh, it. They can save Dick on uh, or Sam and make them uh, warden of the Reach and or whatever one of the two. Um, plus, yeah. So I, I think it, it, I mean, it, it may look like Daenerys only has the Unsullied and. The Dothraki, but she still has 20,000 troops down there in Dorne yet. And all the houses of the Stormlands, plus all the houses of the North and the Vale, if John bends the knee. So, um, what are your thoughts to this? And uh, thanks for listening to my, to me babbling. No, no, great, great message. Well, well said, and a lot of good points there, and a lot of good questions. So, ultimately, the overall question, and uh, we'll throw this to Kyle. Do you think all those houses, do you think Danny will take advantage of those situations that the caller was pointing out to raise her forces of an army, or will they just yada yada that on the show? It's going to be interesting because I think what's happening in the show is we have the reincarnation of certain characters within characters, like like Gendry could be Durin's god grief, uh, or, or Dur he can be Durin. Um, Sorry, and he can he can bring back the storms and Tyrion as land the clever and all these people like you know what I mean are are, are kind of re resurgent characters of characters that have already appeared previously in the story. But for Gendry, I don't know if he would serve as like I mean he, he I mean he's he hasn't had any experience really ruling or anything no, like that no. at all. It's not it's not like John's situation. But with someone like Davos, maybe maybe Davos becomes his direct advisor or something like that. We know he's had a relationship with Shireen and. And, uh, and 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 now the Anna Mormont. And, and they, we already know that they have a good dynamic. And they and he thanked uh, Davos. He he probably when he'll see Davos again, if he sees Davos again, will be very thankful to him for saving his life. You know, Samuel Tarley can perhaps be Lord of the Reach at some point. I, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. I think he's going to end up being Archmaester at some point, or or Grand Wizard, or whatever title he achieves. Um, but to answer your question, man, I, I do think that. I don't know if there's going to be some grand ceremony for all of this stuff in the show. Like Phil said, they kind of might poo-poo around it. Uh, but I, I think that, yeah, it'll be kind of alluded to that who is the leader of each area. Uh, but I don't. I, I think that that's going to matter less and less and less as the story goes on, really, because 
of what's happening. Like the yeah. Iron Throne probably isn't going to be there in the end. Um, Every, everything gonna is going to start to shrink and the focus is going to become closer and closer to one thing. So then the final episode or two, it's only going to be about one thing, the most important thing. I mean, yeah, within yeah. that one, yeah, but oh no, that's okay. But within that one thing, there's going to be a thousand different things as part of that, but it's going to be, the whole thing is going to change. It goes back to what Robert was saying. What's the bigger number? Five or one? Yep. One, one army united behind one single goal with one single purpose. And I actually think that it's not only foreshadow, foreshadowing for how Cersei's going to lose the war. It's not how many battles, you, like, I mean, she's won two battles, but ultimately everybody's going to be, I mean, Daenerys has got the stronger force and she's she's more focused on one thing. I think that ultimately this is actually foreshadowing for, for what Jon's trying to do. He's trying, he, he is, he's kind of like, if, if he is Lightbringer, I wouldn't be mad. But he's bringing the light of the situation to all the people in Westeros. He's trying to illuminate yep. people's minds the actual problem, what is going on, and it's it's, it's this thing, right? So I do think that in in some way, caller, yes, I can't remember your name. I apologize. Bloody talker, I, I believe. Oh no, it wasn't. The, it wasn't the bloody talker. It was the call after the bloody talker. Sorry. But I think that you're on to something. Yeah, I think that they'll organize themselves, but I don't necessarily know if like all these houses will. I, there, a lot of houses will be extinct. Yeah. I think there will be less less of that. It was someone I saw in the live chat, but hey, Peter, great to see you. Great to see everyone. Great to see Hannibal in the live chat, seeing all of our friends popping on in, popping on out. Great to see everyone. We do have a live call. Let's take a live call and then go to the chat. So this is from area code 757. Who are you? Where are you calling from? And ask your question or your comment. So area code 757, you're on the air. What's going on? Hello, this is um, Antoine. How are you doing, Phil? We're doing Antoine. great, Antoine. Great to hear you. How's it going, buddy? Yes, fine. This is what I want to tell to our guests, and now that I'm talking to you live, because you know a lot, I feel they should have never killed all the sand snakes on the show. This is a big um, mistake because we haven't met, the, I mean, equipment on the show. Martin, some of the Martells went on the show, and I did a special tribute where I had discovered um, ice and fire. There were more sand Snake bastard children mm -hmm. of over uh, Martell that didn't make it to the show, but um, I'm just happy about the series. But I love to um, say that the Martell should have got a some. Um, some yeah, I, I would agree with you. An awesome call, Antoine. And I, what I'll do for you is we're going to send out a special love to a special message to Maisie Williams to uh, to to, to uh, go out on that date with you, Antoine. We're all rooting for you here at the Issues Program to uh, to get you on that date with uh, Arya Stark. But I agree. I think as much as the as much as the Sand Snakes are a funny punchline for a joke, there was a lot more interesting characters. For me, it's all about the guy's face that you can see right back behind me, Dr. Julian Bashir, Dory Martell. I feel like he was such a mineable character and could have saved that situation uh, in, in so many ways to be another Varys, Littlefinger kind of character and see what's going on inside his mind, but instead his character got spit and pissed on, and the actor's still pissed about it, too. Uh, he he, he talks shit like, oh, he's not quite... Uh, 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 friggin', uh, what's his name from last season? Uh, friggin' guy from uh, Deadwood. 
uh, Ian, I'm blanking on his name, uh, where he's like fucking dragons in, uh, in uh, Tits and Dragons, that show. Ian McShane. Ian McShane, yeah. He's not quite McShaning it, but but uh, Julian Bashir here, uh, uh, he actually really wanted to play the Red Viper. They told him he was too old, so they kind of put him off for a year to be able to play Doran, and he was really excited. He's actually a big fan of the series, was a big fan of the book series, and was like more excited than almost anybody to be on the show and be cast in the show, and for them to handle his character that way really was was a bad situation and and uh and whether they corrected it or not by torturing and killing all the sand snakes whatever but i and that's one of the reasons why i think to go to what the previous caller was saying i don't know if dorn is ever going to come back into this story in any way shape or form in the any end game of this even though it would make sense that those troops w should go to should go to danny right now and they're somewhere but i'm i'm not sure if they'll ever come back uh, Kyle, do you think we'll see the Dornish army again? I don't know, man. I think they've completely written out that storyline. Yeah, yeah that's I, what, think I think so, too. I, I think there, there's no going back to that. So thank you guys in the they, live chat. They, they originally should have just went with the, they should have introduced Euron earlier, maybe, or done the, more of the Greyjoy shit. I agree. So let's go to the live chat and take a couple of live chat comments. Uh, the 200th person to like this stream will get Theon's dick in a box delivered to his house for free, says Tom himself. Tom will handle all shipping and handling for, for that. Uh, uh, Tom himself does not re represent the issues program and any of his subsidiaries, but Tom himself is a wonderful individual. If you choose to give Tom himself your address, that's on you, motherfuckers. So Tom himself, love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. So, uh, so let's go. Peter Griffin, what if John who knows nothing is told whose parents are. And he says, I know, <laughs> I know I'm good. <laughs> Peter Griffin, you are good. I love you, buddy. Uh, Timo says, but people wanted Dorn gone and now it's gone. And al alas, people are unsatisfied. They're always unsatisfied. Phil, uh, Phil H asks, where's ghosts? We riot if he's not in the next episode. I heard a rumor and I, I mean, I think this is more than a rumor at this point because it was back in the first episode that Ghost was filmed in episode one, but they cut his scene. Kyle, do you think we'll see Ghost or any more direwolves this season? I don't think this, personally, I don't think this season and it's going to suck, but I don't think we see a direwolf this season. But what do you think, Kyle? Cat. I, every time oh. I say your name, I want to say, every time I say your name, I want to say it like Cartman. Hey, hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, what's, what's going on, Kyle? Suck my ass, Mrs. Garrison. But sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Go, dude. Oh, uh, no. Jeez, this is a hard one because you know I'm House Stark till the end, man. House Stark until the end, or however you do that, whatever, a Katniss thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. We're going to see Ghost. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong and you're right. Sam the narrator says, Will Dario be leading the Golden Company? I do think when we see the Golden Company next season, they're going to be in a partnership with the Second Sons, and that's how Dario comes back into the story. I think that's a good good way for him to come back in the story and be an opposing force and be, and be jaded loverish about the situation. Uh, but I do think, again, he's just dragging. If that happens, any of those people that come over from Essos in next season is just dragon fodder. Or, uh, I mean, or, or, Cersei won't be winning any battles next no, season. No, it, it's White Walkers or dragons killing them. Or, or maybe we should riot anyways this uh, this season. Uh, Ab says, if they wrote the storylines and tortured us, they need to make up for that. Besides uh, their deaths, we need to see some badass stuff. Yes, I agree, Phil. I only cared about Dorne because of the actor, or Dorne because of the actor. If we don't see Ghost, I will send so many emails to HBO that they won't read. Sam the narrator says, thank you, Phil, for taking my question. Fitzmaud says, what did you, what did Danny, uh, what you did for Danny is the only reason I'm not killing you, Dario. Yeah, what John's going to say to Dario. What you did for Daenerys is the only reason I'm not killing you right now, Dario, like you said to 
Theon. Littlefinger tried to kill Bran, maybe. Question, uh, do you think John finds out his parents... This is a good last question to end here. Question, uh, do you think John finds out about his parentage this season? If so, would that be the point he would... What would he do? No leaks or spoilers, just a prediction here. I don't think John finds out about his parentage this season. I think... I think... Uh, he probably finds out next year sometime because I we find out about we find out about John's father. I, I think we're going to find out about John's father, man. We have to. It's different than the books where they can just kind of leave it up to mystery. Mm-hmm. But for show purposes, we talked about uh, devices and how how they deliver things, foreshadowings and stuff like that. I think Bran goes back in time to the tournament of Harrenhal where Rhaegar gave Leanna the crown of love and beauty, and I think that Rhaegar and Leanna got married at the Isle of the Faces in front of the old gods. We get to see Rhaegar. I, I agree. I think we see something like that to further the romance situation to continue that storyline for the audience because a lot of us people that are sitting here watching, you know, you and me talk about Game of Thrones for two, you know, almost two hours, or or anybody that uh, like us that like look at this stuff over and over again, we know what what last year meant. But I talked to some people that are just you know casual watchers of the show or whatever, and people that love Game of Thrones but don't like watch and go into everything and I was just talking like it's understood that John's a Targaryen they're like well how do you know that I was like that baby last year and the pan over to Jon Snow you know what that means they're like ah well that's not that's not enough you know like that's yeah yeah it is I'm like dude it's enough but but for that I hear from Robert like that's all that you need. that's all you fucking need but ultimately they need to show more too for for some audience just to make it almost obvious and we need to see more we need to make sure that like you were saying that we know that it wasn't a kidnapping situation that it was a full-on love situation and we're gonna see that proven to us this year and we're gonna see Bran going more into that because that's important to John and his control over the over the over the command it's it's all it's all fucking relevant it's all fucking connected holy shit because we have the perspective of Littlefinger and Robert Baratheon which are very skewed because they're they're biased but then we have Barristan Selmy saying that like Rhaegar was basically a regular dude. He loved to drink. He loved to sing music. He loved to give money to the poor. He loved to be a regular person, man. Like, you know what I mean? Janelle so in the live chat says uh, he, he definitely was. And, and I hope we get to see that side of him as well. Uh, Janelle says he'll find out right before him and Danny do it. Or like in the middle. Bran, he'll be having sex with Danny. And then Bran will flash the vision into his head right in that moment. Like, dude. You'll just see this like, dude. John, uh, do you realize you're fucking your aunt? Dude, that's if, and then he turns into Adam Sandler and ha- and uh, wedding singer. That's information I should have known yesterday. Oh, oh fuck, it's yeah, great. That, that could be funny. It's, that could be something that goes through. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. But Kyle, thank you so much for joining me tonight. If you haven't already, please check out Kyle's channel. The, the link is in the description box below. You can check out lots of his stuff. He puts out almost daily Game of Thrones content. Lots of awesome stuff. Does some live streams. Some, uh, some, uh, well, mo- but mostly like you know uh, videos that he just puts out every day. Lots of theories. Lots of previews. Lots of amazing content. So definitely check out uh, Zora Hype Kyle. And uh, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on Kyle it was a lot of fun getting to talk to you and uh, we'll definitely have to do it again soon yeah man we'd we'd uh, like to, I mean you know I usually do my live stream with George uh, George Chartiana who's my my uh, my right hand man slash cameraman for when we go to cons and stuff like that and Gemma from Secrets of the Citadel but we oh, she's like Gemma's awesome invite- We'd like to extend an invite to you, man. We have uh, we have two sh- two live shows a week. We usually do them on Monday and Thursdays. 
you're more than welcome to join us for any of the the, the remaining ones. Uh, you just let me know. We'd love to have you on the channel. Absolutely. I would definitely, definitely love to do that one of the weeks left and join you guys. That'd be a lot of fun. So I'll try, I'll try to make it work and uh, we'll figure it out. If it doesn't, then, you know, maybe after season or something like that. But I think I should be able yeah, to make like a giant recap show or yeah, something. We're going to do a recap yeah. of all season eight, man. I'm yeah. gonna we'll we'll, we'll figure out, a, we'll figure like out a time and I would absolutely love to do that. And uh, I've definitely checked out your streams and uh, lots of love to Gemma too. She's fuck, she's very, very, very good people. So everybody, thank you so much for checking out this video. If you have, and thank you to everyone for the super chat donations and all the fun. You guys in the live chat, heart lady, let's look into the live chat, say goodbye to all these awesome people. We got Aaron Sharp, Ash, Av, Bree, Craig, Deanna, uh, Dina, Echo, uh, Liz, uh, urine, urine, two urines. We got urines, crow's eye, and urine, Greyjoy. Some sc scary Greyjoy action going on in the live chat right now. Fritz Maud, Frumius B, uh, Google Poe, uh, Hannibal O'Neill. Thank you for all the uh, awesome pictures you sent me, Hannibal. Heart Lady, Jack, uh, Jack Dutefield, uh, Jacob, Janelle, Jamie, Jose, Leslie, Lola, Leanna, Maiden of Darkness, Marco, Mary, Peter, Peter, Phil. Phil, Quixote, uh, uh, Rowan, Sam, the Bloody Talker, Timo, Thomas Elf, Travis, Ty Queen, Valamogolis, and Varlint Messiah 666. Thank you to everyone in the live chat. If you haven't already and uh, you enjoyed this video, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Join us for more Game of Thrones fun. I'll be on Friday afternoon around 12, 12 30, 1 o'clock in that hour somewhere to do my trailer reaction and random My Alone Babble Fest podcast of the week. So I'll be on Friday afternoon and then Joe, Katie, and I will be on Sunday night after the episode airs again to do it all over again. And next week on the Feedback Show, we'll be joined by King McKay that will be joined up, joining us. And I've never really heard King McKay on a live stream. I'm super excited to do a live stream with King McKay. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, talking to him, he's a awesome supporter in the live chat. has been checking out our videos forever. So it's about time him and I got together and I'll definitely be having Kyle back on in the future in the off season too. And I can't wait to be on Kyle's channel as well. So everyone have a good night. Thank you so much for checking out this live stream. We will talk to you guys next time and uh, yeah, bye. Oh, sorry, Timo. I owe you something. Whoa. Sorry, that hopefully that wasn't too loud, Timo. That's for you. I forgot your drum fun. Yeah, baby, the word, the power.